This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. City crews supported by police are back on Vancouver's downtown east side, making sure no new tent cities are allowed to take root on Hastings Street. Some business owners are obviously happy to see their sidewalks cleared, but as Jasmine Bala reports, many of those displaced say they have nowhere else to go. You're telling me to go? One day after dozens of tents were cleared, they're back. Almost like they didn't care. Vancouver City crews alongside police cracked down on Hastings Street for a second day. Just another day on Hastings Street. Where did you sleep last night? In my tent. Right here? Yep. Pack up personal belongings in a bin or have them tossed out. A repeat of what happened Wednesday. They just take it down for the moment and then they put them back up, right? Do you think this is going to stop people from sending I don't think so. It's Everyone's going to stay. Efforts to clear out the tent city in full force over the past 48 hours, coming eight months after the Vancouver fire chief ordered their removal because of an extreme fire risk. It's just a ticking time bomb right now where something devastating is going to happen and we're going to lose an entire building uh, and, and lose lives. This year alone, there have already been 16 tent fires and the structures are a concern for nearby businesses too. We feel better. Yeah, that's good for us, for every business. They're all home, homeless. We don't know where they will go, so also government will do some better things for them. There are still about 100 people who live on Hastings, although city crews have been working on removing the tents since July last year. That work has been done with respect, compassion and patience. There's nothing compassionate about what's happening on Hastings Street here. By Thursday afternoon, you could walk down the sidewalk with no tents in sight. I'm going to go put up a tent somewhere else. But for how long? They're coming back here because they don't have a place to go. And until they have a place to go, this is going to continue to happen. A decampment operation, the advocates say, is a temporary solution. Jazambala, Global News. Of the dozens of people who were moved out of the Hastings encampment on Wednesday, the city says only eight accepted housing. As Amaragahi reports, finding out whether or not there is enough shelter for everyone who wants it depends on who you talk to. Now that the tents have been removed, where do the dozens of people living in them go? And if they find shelter, how long can they stay? Questions some say they have to answer themselves. If we don't dig deep ourselves and look Look for and a place to rent on our own, then we're, we're screwed. We're out in the rain or we're out in the cold, wherever. The and city is not helping you at all. We've, no. We've been outside you know. so many times without a blanket. After the first full day of a city-led dismantling, supported by police, of the encampment on Vancouver's downtown east side, only eight people who had asked were given housing, according to Mayor Ken Sim. Today, the province doubling down its assertion that it can house the people displaced into shelters and later to housing. But this claim continues to be disputed. 
by those on the ground willing to speak up about how the decampment operation on East Hastings is going. By dispersing folks, we have put women, gender diverse folks, indigenous residents in more precarious positions and, and actually increased their risk because now they're isolated. Uh, we don't know where they've gone. We don't know where they've chosen to find shelter. Um, and we don't know what risk that's put them at. The Union Gospel Mission says it had to exceed its already full capacity by 10 people before being forced to send five others to other shelters last night. The downtown Eastside Women's Shelter says had the city told them it was moving in, a lot of women could have been helped. You actually just made people unsafe by not having a plan. If we had known in advance, we could have, you know, been going around and letting them know they can come to the drop-in. We could have opened up more space. We could have ensured we had meals and, and warm clothing and because we knew women were going to lose their stuff. Every day, every time we wake up, uh, it's always a struggle to find out what where we're going to go for the next night. As both the city and the province promise shelter space, will it hold up to the increasing demand during the rainy nights ahead? Emadagahi, Global News. Calgary police are showing off a major haul of cocaine that has a connection to Vancouver. Investigators say the bust broke up an alleged cross-Canada drug trafficking ring. Back in October, following a tip, the CPS Organized Crime Unit began investigating along with Edmonton, Vancouver and the U.S. Drug Enforcement Team. Then in February, police stopped two vehicles heading to Calgary from Vancouver, seizing more than 90 kilograms of cocaine with an estimated wholesale value of about $5.4 million. Police also seized drugs from a Calgary home too. This is a significant seizure. Uh, last year, uh, in 2022, uh, our total cocaine seizure for the Calgary Police Service was nine kilograms more than this. So this almost totals our entire seizure of last year. Calgary Police arrested 45-year-old Stephen Christopher Farah of Calgary. 38-year-old Jason Jamie Chan was also arrested in Surrey. Both are facing two counts of possession of cocaine for the purpose of trafficking. Yet another delay today in the trial of the man accused of killing a Burnaby teenager nearly six years ago. On the first day of the trial, Wednesday, Ibrahim Ali pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder. He was arrested in September of 2018, 14 months after the body of the victim was found. She can no longer be identified because of a court-ordered publication ban. As today's proceedings were getting underway, the jury was told Ali was not present in court and so the trial was adjourned until Tuesday. One person is dead after a police-involved shooting in Surrey last night. Surrey RCMP responded to a call about a person in distress when they were alerted to an armed robbery in progress. As Janet Brown reports, the province's police watchdog has now taken over the investigation. Last night at 9.30, Surrey RCMP received a phone call from this housing complex behind me about a report of a possible suicidal person. When the responding officers arrived on scene, they were also told by staff here that there was a robbery underway. They were able to soon locate two suspects. Apparently, there was an altercation right after that. And one of the responding officers, according to the BCRCMP, discharged his firearm, striking and killing one of the suspects who died on scene. As a result, the Independent Investigations Office of BC is now investigating. Uh, 
um, did these or this particular individual, um, what, what risk did he pose to the police officers? And we need to determine from looking at the facts surrounding that whether or not the actions of the officer were justified in this case. A total of seven investigators with the IIO are now on scene here investigating. And their key job will be to find out if the actions of the police officers involved were indeed justified. The IIO investigators looking for any dash cam footage, any video footage from the area, and possibly any witnesses who still haven't spoken with the investigators or police to please come forward. Janet Brown, Global News. A charge has now been laid in connection with a fire that badly damaged the home of a Ukrainian priest in Victoria last year. Five people were home early on the morning of April 20th when the family says someone poured gasoline through the mail slot and lit it on fire. All of them escaped, but a daughter suffered potentially life-threatening injuries she has since recovered from. Now charged with arson is Nanaimo resident Walter Theo Machinsky. Police say he was known to the family, but they are not saying what the potential motive might have been. The best friend of a man fatally stabbed in Coquitlam last year is outraged no charges are being laid in the case. He witnessed what happened to Anton Osipchuk and says it could happen to someone else if justice isn't served. Jennifer Palma has the story. A good friend, confidant. John Sabani has walked this area hundreds of times, many of them with his friend Anton Osipchuk and their dogs. But after midnight on May 8th of 2022, an altercation took place at Glen Elementary in Coquitlam. Sabani says there were three other males there. Words were exchanged, all because one of the dogs approached the group. Right away, I start yelling at the kid, drop the knife. I didn't want him to have a knife in his hands. The family says the autopsy report showed Osipchuk was stabbed several times. And at the time, police said they had someone in custody. But in the end, the BC Prosecution Service decided not to proceed with charges, stating, after a careful review of all the investigative materials submitted by IHIT investigators, no charges were approved in the case. And that in this case, the assessing Crown could not conclude that the charge assessment standard was met. The family was told that self-defense was the main reason charges were refused. When you deem something like this as self-defense, you're, you're rubbing Anton's name through the dirt. Sabani says justice needs to be served. He's spoken with police again and the integrated homicide investigation team, which did meet with him this past week. We also contacted IHIT but have not heard back. Loved ones of Osipchuk have also taken to social media and formed a petition to get the case looked at again. If we can raise awareness about these people and bring some real charges to make the public a safer place. Jennifer Palma, Global News. The Patello Bridge is set to close for Easter long weekend as work continues in the bridge replacement project. Starting tonight at 10 p.m., the bridge is going to close until 5 a.m. on Tuesday, April 11th. So for the time being, drivers are advised to either use the Portman Bridge or the Alex Fraser Bridge instead. The closure won't apply to pedestrians, cyclists, or first responders. They can still use the bridge. Now, during the closure, TransLink will be conducting bridge work like speed sign, relocation, line painting, concrete patching, and inspections. Just ahead, build at your own risk. One thing was done wrong, and then another, another, another. 
Consumer Matters tackles a renovation nightmare, exposing flaws in a system that can't protect homeowners. With the 4D sound software, you're able to compose with the room and sound objects. Sound that surrounds you, a state-of-the-art studio helping artists create music in 4D. How it works, coming up on the News Hour. Also, it didn't take long for scammers to jump all over the province's new grocery rebate. How they're using it to steal from people in just a moment. Right now, though, spring is a popular time for home renovations, but it can also be a very risky venture. Here in B.C., when projects go wrong with a bad renovator, there are almost no protections with the exception of going to court. Consumer Matters reporter Andrew joins us now with the call for change, And Thanks, Chris. Critics have long argued there needs to be better consumer protections in place when hiring people to renovate a home. Right now, no license is required to become a renovator in B.C. And as we've been reporting, that can translate into a disaster for homeowners. One thing was done wrong, and then another, another, another. That was Roman Rappaport's experience when he hired a contractor to renovate his basement. The work started in 2019, and three and a half years later, the Maple Ridge homeowner says the work is still incomplete. Having somebody come into our house where we put so much trust into this individual and just lose not just so much money, but so much time and the amount of stress it's just devastating. Devastating because Roman says his family home was left with a string of deficiencies, which included exposed electrical wiring, uneven flooring, and waterproofing issues. He says he gave his renovator a $20,000 deposit, and when he asked for a cost breakdown, Roman says the project went sideways. He never replied to us. He never showed up uh, to do any more work. He just completely cut off all contact. With few consumer safeguards in place, Roman says his only option to recoup his losses was to hire a lawyer and go to court. When there is nothing in place, it's a free-for-all. Anybody can come into your home, tell you a great story, take money from you, and never come back. Consumer Protection BC, the province's regulator, says it's responsible for future performance contracts and it would intervene in situations when no work has been done yet and if a contract did not contain the required contents. Compare that to Alberta's consumer laws where a contractor who requests a deposit must be licensed and bonded. The fact that Consumer uh, Protection BC doesn't do anything and has no authority once uh, construction work actually happens and uh, it makes because you don't know that there's an issue until they actually start doing the work. BC Liberal Shadow Minister for Housing Corinne Kirkpatrick says it's time for the province to strengthen protections for homeowners. It should be on their radar and it would be something that would be relatively simple I believe in terms of changing some regulations uh, but there is more and more house construction going on. Uh, the sector has simply changed in the last 10-15 years and so uh, there's more demand for it now and we're hearing more of these awful stories so I think it's time that government steps in. Still, despite calls for change, BC's Ministry of Housing has told Consumer Matters it is not currently considering legislation similar to Alberta, which means for now, homeowners like Roman are left on their own with no guarantees of getting a resolution. Nobody wants to come to the table and actually solve the problem.
And just a reminder, when it comes to home renovations, his recommended homeowners get a solid contract before the project begins. It's also not a bad idea to have a lawyer look at the contract to make sure you are protected. Also, check references. That means knocking on doors and physically checking out those references. For more tips, you can go to the Canadian Home Builders Association of BC's website. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Anne. Scammers are not only relentless, bombarding us with calls and emails, they're also pretty savvy about current affairs. Global's Mark Carcassole shows us the new text phishing scam taking advantage of a recent federal government announcement defrauding anyone who falls for it. When we report on inflation and its effects on food prices, you are not the only one listening. So too are scammers, using current events to their own scheming advantage. And the recent federal food rebate has opened up a whole new avenue for them. A new one making the rounds is a text claiming to be from the CRA. Click the shady link and get some rebate money now. But what really happens is they get your login info and get into your accounts. And leverage that to figure out a way to financially um, benefit themselves. Most have wised up to them. How often do you get them? Four or five a day. And you recognize them as a scam. I absolutely don't even open it up. But all it takes is one or two out of the millions they reach out to daily to get duped. And fraudsters get a payday. I've seen situations where fraudsters have been able to um, defraud uh, small businesses in the amount of $400,000. It's big business. In 2021, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre received reports of fraud totaling $380 million. In 2022, that total went up 40%, with reports totaling $530 million. So far this year, the centre has received over 6,600 reports of fraud, with $43.6 million stolen. And they say the higher numbers are not a result of more reporting. Only 5 to 10% of victims actually come forward. Of those reports, phishing, extortion, and personal information theft are the most frequent. The standard advice is still the best advice. Verify the domain name of anything sent to you. Don't click any suspicious links. But security expert Ritesh Kodak says there's more you can do to protect your accounts. Enable multi-factor authentication. Don't recycle passwords. And enable account notifications. So if there is any type of login... Um, you are notified and you're able to change your passwords. Mark Carcassel, Global News. Just ahead, no relief for waitlisted surgical patients. A BC doctor loses his bid to offer an option to those suffering in the public system. And so long masks, why even hospitals won't require them after today's update on respiratory season. Traffic is still a mess on Highway 17 near the Surrey Docks, where a semi-truck smashed into the center barrier much earlier this afternoon. Traffic is blocked westbound at Tannery, and only one lane is getting by headed east. Just avoid it for now. Through Carmack Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Carmack, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Carmack Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. The B.C. government is celebrating a Supreme Court of Canada decision that ends a bid to expand access 
to private health care. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the implications of this. Keith, the decision ends Dr. Brian Day's legal battle. He always posed it as a noble cause, providing relief mm -hmm. or an outlet from patients who were stuck on wait lists. The province obviously sees this differently. And so do the courts. So Dr. Brian Day, the owner of the Canby Surgical Centre in Vancouver, has been fighting this battle for 14 years. A very long battle started in 2009. He challenged the BC Medicare Protection Plan uh, Act in court, arguing that it, because it created long wait times for surgeries, it violated the Charter of Rights. The BC Supreme Court ruled in 2020 said no. Uh, even though it does lead to long wait times for some people, the overall goal is, is Trump's those concerns and basically the overall goal being the protection of a public health care system where access to health care is based on need and not on the ability to pay. The Court of Appeal in B.C. affirmed that ruling last July. Today, they took it to the Supreme Court of Canada. They declined to hear his appeal. So this case is now over. We caught up with Health Minister Adrian Dix, obviously very happy. And of course, Dr. Brian Day has the exact opposite feeling. It's a great, um, it's a great victory for public health care. Uh, for all the work that we're doing to reduce uh, wait lists in the public system. Millions of Canadians who are currently suffering on wait lists know that the government is failing to provide uh, timely care. There is nowhere in the world that legislation of this type exists. So coincidentally, or perhaps not coincidentally, uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix releasing information today saying that 99% of the surgeries that were postponed or cancelled during the pandemic have now been performed on those people waiting for them. So that's some good news, but for Mr. Day, uh, the end of the line is there and no more court challenges on this file. That's it. All right, thanks a lot, Keith. All right. BC's Provincial Health Officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, says we are emerging from the pandemic now. Officials provided a respiratory season update this afternoon with some big changes. Kylie Stanton reports data shows COVID-19 cases are decreasing and some of the last of the restrictions still in place are being lifted. The sneezing and coughing <coughs> is finally starting to fade as another respiratory illness season is officially behind us. Good afternoon, I'm Adrian Dix. BC's health minister alongside the provincial health officer provided an update in Victoria Thursday showing a sharp decline in infections across the board. Everything from COVID-19 to RSV and influenza. So what does this all mean? We're at a point now where we can change some of the restrictions in healthcare settings. British Columbia is now lifting proof of vaccination and rapid antigen testing requirements for visitors entering long-term care, assisted living and other health care facilities. It will also be removing mandatory universal mask wearing in health care settings. What is important to note is while the mandatory masking orders are being lifted, masking remains a very important tool in the health care setting. Health care workers can and will wear masks based on their own risk assessment and patients may also be asked to put one on. But there are concerns from those on the front lines. It's all too much, too soon. I don't think we're there yet. So my hope is that even though mandates have been removed, I still would hope that people are using masks when they go to healthcare settings because they are exquisitely aware that there are people who are at higher risk than they themselves could be. The vaccine mandate for healthcare workers will remain in effect and it's unlikely that will change anytime soon. Still, officials say the worst is behind us. We've been coming out of the emergency phase for sure, but I think in the next few months, 
um, we're likely to, to be able to say we're no longer in a pandemic. But COVID-19 will continue to spread, and what that will look like come next respiratory season is still very much up in the air. So we're going to learn the lessons of this year and continue to work on this. Kylie Stanton, <coughs> Global News. The province's official opposition will formally launch its new name and look next week. This will be the last time I'm standing before you as the leader of the BC Liberal Party. BC Liberal leader Kevin Falcon says the party's rebrand as BC United will be rolled out on Wednesday. Falcon promised the name change during his campaign for Liberal leadership. In November, party members voted 80% in favour of the new name following a months-long consultation process. There's an internal process we have to go through, which I won't bore you with, but the mechanics of dealing with Elections BC and the internal constitutional changes. Uh, and then we had to work uh, to create the branding uh, and the logo, etc., for the name. That's what we will be uh, announcing next week. I think you'll love it. I think it's going to be new and exciting and fresh. And uh, uh, we made the decision to move forward once that work was done and completed uh, to get underway. The party will maintain ownership of the BC Liberal brand to prevent anyone else from using it. Coming up, demanding better safety on tugboats. This isn't a new problem. This problem's been going on for a long time. After a fatal accident led to new recommendations, the Mariners' Union wonders why nothing has changed. And police ask for the public's help after the mysterious disappearance of several items from a senior's home. It's a busy start to the long weekend at BC Ferries. To Watson to Dew Point sailings are sold out for today. The next available sailing is tomorrow morning at 5.15. No space left on Tawasson to Southern Gulf Islands either, and definitely make a reservation for tomorrow because they're already really full. And just a one sailing rate from Tawasson to Swartz Bay right now. The 7 p.m. is three-quarters full. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. RCMP are investigating a potential theft at the home of a Nanaimo senior. The woman in her 80s last saw this diamond wedding ring back in February and reported its disappearance to police this week. A sum of cash is also missing. The woman says, to her knowledge, the only people who've been in her home since then are her care workers. They deny any involvement, so anyone who knows where the ring is or has seen it anywhere is asked to contact Nanaimo RCMP. A union representing B.C.'s maritime workers is pressing the federal government to follow through on recommendations sparked by a tugboat tragedy off the B.C. coast. As Paul Johnson reports, despite the deaths of two men, the union says repeated calls for change have gone nowhere. How about this for a day's work? Scrambling in and out of tugboats and across log booms on the Fraser River. The hazards here are almost too many to count. It's heavy, it's hard, um, and it's dangerous. Uh, as the weather gets better, you'll always get more uh, activity on the water. We're on the North Fraser Jetty with members of the union that represents tugboat workers. As we talk, tugs are catching the rising tide and hauling log booms to the sawmills upriver. Despite the work they do, Boats like these that are under 15 gross tons are exempt from mandatory inspections. There are about a thousand of them currently operating in BC. There's tugs that have been built on this coast generations ago who have never had any inspection or any kind of scrutiny whatsoever. 
The union wants that rule changed. They say leaving it to the companies to self-inspect is inadequate and leads to breakdowns in safety equipment and safety culture. Majority of the times it is the employers pressuring the crews to tow equipment that is not rated for the vessel uh, to get the job done. And they're not the only ones calling for change. A few weeks ago, the Transportation Safety Board called on Transport Canada to require mandatory inspections of small tugs. That call came during the TSB's report on the 2021 sinking of the tug in Janica on the north coast that killed two crew members. This isn't a new problem. The only difference is, is people died. Transport Canada told Global News Thursday they're studying the safety board's recommendations and will respond in a few months. So for the foreseeable future, the thousands of British Columbians who work on small tugs will carry on with the status quo. In Richmond, Paul Johnson, Global News. A driver in West Vancouver found out the difference between life and death sometimes comes down to millimeters. Here's the proof. A large tree came crashing down and crushed the back end of this Honda as it was driving along Taylor Way near Keith Road in West Vancouver Wednesday night. It narrowly missed the driver. She was the only person in the vehicle, thankfully, and amazingly, once she was freed by first responders, she was able to walk away with just minor injuries. If you are constantly getting poor quality sleep, a new study in the journal Neurology indicates the impact might be greater than you think. The study looked at the sleep habits of nearly 4,500 people. It found those who snore, snort, toss and turn, nap for a long time, sleep too little or too much, may increase their risk for stroke. It also revealed people who got less than five hours of sleep a night were three times more likely to have a stroke than those who got seven hours of sleep on average. The research doesn't show sleeping problems cause stroke, only that there's an associated risk, and they'll continue to study it. Just ahead, an ice storm slams Quebec. Uh, what will be a difficult Easter weekend for a, a number of families. How a million people are coping with widespread power outages, plus. This is a studio. Each of these are an omnidirectional speaker. A new Vancouver studio specializing in spatial sound. How 4D audio is changing the way music is created and consumed later. The Future of Work series. Tune into Global News April 10th to 23rd for daily features focused on training for the workforce of the future. In partnership with Vancouver Island University. Learn more at viu.ca. Work is underway to restore power in Quebec, where nearly a million people were plunged into darkness when freezing rain tore through the province during a severe spring storm. Politicians from all levels of government now are on the ground surveying the damage and pleading for patience as crews try to restore the power. Hydro-Quebec crews have been working non-stop since this morning trying to clear the debris left by fallen branches and to restore power to customers. The devastation serious enough for the Prime Minister to visit. This is going to be a, a time for us all to pull together, to, to be safe and to, uh, and to make it through as we always do. 
The federal government says help is there for Quebec if needed, but no formal requests have been made. Quebec Premier François Legault says the province is handling the situation for now. His message for Quebecers? Be careful, everybody. Be patient. At the height of the storm, more than one million customers were without power, half of them on the island of Montreal. Hydro-Quebec says their teams only started working on putting people back on the grid this morning because they couldn't work under the freezing rain. But there are also questions surrounding the fragility of the system. Back in December, Quebec's Auditor General released a report saying Hydro-Quebec was not properly equipped to face disasters like this. Today, it's, 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 it's ice on branches and then you can invest all the money in the world. Um, your, your equipment will not tolerate that when they fall. For now, officials say it's all under control, but crews from Ontario and New Brunswick are currently on standby if needed. Meanwhile, Quebec and the city are working together to make sure those affected stay safe. As temperatures are expected to drop overnight, the mayor says those without power will have options. We will be opening some center for people to go and sleep uh, in a warm place and also to take a shower. Hydro-Quebec is aiming to restore power to 80% of its clients by Friday night. But they say it could be until Monday before power is completely restored. Gloria Enriquez, Global News, Montreal. It's bad out Great around here either. The Easter Bunny's going to need some rubber <laughs> boots, I think. Yeah, or the Easter Bunny has to make sort of an alternate plan indoors, mm -hmm. right? I'll have that, especially for Easter Sunday. And as we get in towards our long weekend, thanks, Chris. Good evening, everyone. It's been a soggy one through the day today. We've got rain, heavy at times, and very windy conditions. We're currently sitting at 11 degrees, and we've got that easterly wind at 31 kilometers per hour. Here's the swath of moisture that's right across the lower mainland, similar for the island, the eastern regions of the island with very heavy rain that's extending right in towards Courtney and Campbell River, and we'll continue to track that this evening. Now, a look ahead for our long weekend. We've got a number of storms. That'll be the big weather story. It'll be on and, on, on and off rainfall. Not a complete washout, but I'll show you when we might see a bright spot in just a moment. Very windy conditions this evening. We've got anywhere between 30 gusts of up to 50. It's a southeasterly, easterly wind that we're seeing right now. Overnight tonight, we'll still see a chance for some showers for the morning hours. By the afternoon, it's mainly cloudy, but I've still left in that chance for some showers through the day tomorrow and temperatures will be bumping up to 11 degrees. Now, a look ahead for tomorrow will be on and off showers, lighter precipitation, but then the next weather maker that is going to move in. This system will likely time out by tomorrow night, or Saturday night, rather, and take us in towards our Sunday, a soggy one on Sunday with heavy rain and unsettled in towards our Monday as well. Now, the areas of concern this evening with the rainfall warning still remaining in effect for the eastern regions, up to 60 millimeters, and this is a look ahead and a heads up for tomorrow night and in towards our Saturday. We are going to see those winds for high to Gwaii, so southeasterly, sustained at 90 and gusts of up to 110 kilometers per hour, so very windy conditions. Now, for the northern half of the province, coastal areas will bump up to 7. We are going to see the risk of thunderstorms across the central interior. Heavier rain for the Columbia and Kootenai region, highs into the double digits. South coast, lower mainland, lighter precipitation through the day tomorrow, but we'll still hang on to that chance for some showers with a few breaks in there. And then it's Saturday night in towards our Sunday, the Easter Bunny on Sunday. So far, we're tracking rainfall with highs Closer to 10 degrees. Tonight's weather window, this one's a great shot of the cherry blossoms. This one was captured in Vancouver from Anne. So thank you so much. Let's hope we got a few of those left after all this rain. Yeah, of sure, course, thanks. and the wind too. <laughs> and the wind too. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Squire is here now looking at what's happening in uh, or for the Canucks these days. Well, they play Chicago tonight. And um, when asked about Anthony Beauvillier today, Rick Tockett said this. 
haven't really, to be honest with you, and he, he doesn't like his game. I haven't really liked his game. But just the same, he's going to give him a chance once again to play on the top line. He did score a goal against Seattle the other night. For him also ahead, a sound studio unlike anything you've ever heard. The magic of 4D audio creating a whole new way to produce music and listen to it too. play when BC to connect BC turns to the source that brings us together global news you know they they picked a particularly bad hair day for me to put in that promo I got to talk to someone about that was <laughs> uh, it's all good little You're disturbing always no no yes. my hair has a mind of its own but hey I appreciate that yeah no problem Take it away. You're asking me about Jonathan Taves. We'll talk about Jonathan Taves mm -hmm. in a moment. But oh, a little stat here. When Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane scored in the same game, when they both played for the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks were 92-9-5. Wow. That's what how a much stat. those two could do to teams back in the day. Okay. Uh, this season, the Vancouver Canucks have used, well, two different head coaches, four different goalies, and 16 different defensemen. Tonight, the 16th defenseman will be Cole McWard, recently signed as a free agent out of Ohio State. He'll be wearing number 48. Uh, speaking of numbers, number 43, Quinn Hughes is hoping to play this game as well against Chicago. He had some strep throat. And the Canucks will make a little change up front. They're going to put Anthony Beauvillier back on the top line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko, at least for the start of the game. And Beauvillier can stay there as long as he impresses Rick Tockett, who has not been impressed of late with Beauvillier. I really liked his game the first like two, three weeks. The last ten to eight games, I mean, he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. I, I, I haven't really liked his game, to be honest with you. And, um, but, like I said, there's things there. He is a, you know, he's got some speed. Um, you know, he, he can score. You know, early on, you saw him, you know, in the slot there, score a couple of big goals for us. So, um, I think it's just for him right now is. Um, Trying to understand who he is, um, we need that. F we need him to be on the first on the forecheck. We need him to be a pest out there. There was a time. There was a time when the Canucks and Blackhawks playing against each other was a huge deal. Everybody was watching it all around the league. It was kind of like WrestleMania hype. It was Hulk against Andre. <laughs> but those days are long gone. However, one of the main combatants is still out there, Jonathan Taves. And there is speculation this could be his final year in the NHL and thus his final game at Rogers. And this is a player that everybody in the NHL has respect for. Uh, I mean, he, you know, those, um, those rounds he had with uh, Chicago, that's, that's all you can remember. And, you know, his time with Team Canada, whether it's World Junior and the Olympics or whatnot. And he, uh, he's been someone I've been looking up to since I'm, since I'm young and, you know, trying to, you know, watch his games and bring a little of what he does into my game and stuff. And he was, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to see that um, it might be his last game here, or his last season and whatnot, but he's definitely had an unbelievable career and um, someone, someone I've been uh, watching closely. 
Well, the Whitecaps lost the first game of their Champions League quarterfinal series against LAFC last night, 3-0, which means Vancouver would need to win by three goals next Tuesday in LA just to get it to penalty kicks or win by four goals to take this thing outright. I would think the Canucks have a better chance of winning the Connor Bedard Derby than the Whitecaps have of doing that. But there were two plays last night against LAFC that you've just got to see. Of course, it was Vanny against his old boss, Marta Santos, who's now an assistant with LAFC. How about this? Aaron Long of LAFC. Aaron Long is on his face. It looks like he's dead, but he makes the dead man save by just sticking his left leg up and blocking Javane Brown's shot. One of the guys in the broadcast said it looks like something out of Weekend at Bernie's, and he was right. But uh, how about this goal, too, by Denny Boanga? That was brilliant. That was the first goal of the game over Takeoka. And as we said, it was a 3-0 win for LAFC, which is not a huge surprise. They are the best team in Major League Soccer. All right, round one of the Masters. There's Tiger. His leg was bothering him. He had a rough start. Not a bad finish, though. This is on 15. He birdied 15 and 16. Two over after 18. Could make the cut. One of the guys playing with him was Victor Hovland. Now, Hovland is one of three guys right now at seven under par. They uh, share the lead, those three men. That's a nice long putt by him. One of the other guys is Brooks Kepka, of course, now on the Live Tour. He's won four majors, but he's never won the Masters. He actually finished second to Tiger when he last won it in 2019. Another one at minus seven is John Rahm, and this is his approach shot on 18. He would knock this in for a birdie. So Kepka, Hovland, and Rahm all at seven under par they have a two-shot lead and there is Surrey's Adam Svensson who had a bit of a rough start probably nerves he was six over at one point but he did knock it down to three over par this is a nice approach unfortunately he could not make the birdie putt there but he's out there and he has a chance tomorrow to lower that score they expect some bad weather actually on Saturday so there is some talk that they may have to finish the Masters on Monday if it gets really bad Saturday down in Augusta. A lot of people adjusting their schedules right now, just hearing that, I'm <laughs> sure, to watch. Thanks very much, Squire. Just ahead, 4D sound, recreating music as you know it. That's coming up. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. All right, Jordan is here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Chris, BC Ferries is pledging to do better this long weekend. As you know, extra sailings added for holiday weekends are typically the first to be canceled when BC Ferries encounters a staff shortage. But this weekend, the de facto Crown Corporation says it has pulled out all the stops to avoid staffing-related cancellations. We'll have details at 11. Plus, more on the Supreme Court's dismissal of the appeal over access to private health care. What does it mean for surgical wait lists? Will they get longer? We'll look into that tonight. Chris? All right. Sounds like a good show lined up. Thanks, Jordan. A Vancouver Sound Studio is unlike anything you've probably ever heard, opening up new possibilities for artists and for researchers. In This Is BC, Jay Durant takes us on an audio journey to explore the joys of 4D sound. A rather unique auditory experience is being offered by one Vancouver studio. It's the first fully integrated 4D sound space in North America. And this is where the sound massive is doors. in the room. So that's the massive doors opening, and that's right there. 
Lobe Studio features 4D sound that's allowing users to create new worlds within these walls. A sound object that's about this big and I want it to be here and I want it to move in this way. Designed by a company in Amsterdam, the applications of this technology are being studied at the Spatial Sound Institute in Budapest. It's giving musicians new creative ways to produce and perform their work. surrounds you and moves through you and affects your perceptual apparatus while you're building in it. But its use extends far beyond music. Researchers have used 4D sound to study the communication between orcas. There's also therapeutic potential, and the vibrating floors are giving deaf artists the opportunity to experiment and create new experiences. They could recognize different sounds of like crossing the street and um, a car driving by. Residencies at Loeb are allowing musicians and artists to reinvent their creative framework and explore all the possibilities that spatial sound has to offer. I think it's very exciting to work with a new medium that is still being imprinted in terms of how it's used and how people interact with it culturally. I see the opportunities as endless. I haven't found the limits of this technology. If I can imagine it, I can create it. Jay Durant, Global News. Amazing stuff. For now, the news hour is in 2D. So if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, <laughs> just email your ideas to Jay at this is BC at Global News. It'll have to do for now. <laughs> All right, last word on weather before we go, Yvonne. Uh, we are going to be tracking rain for our long weekend. For tomorrow, it's on and off showers. By Saturday night, late and towards our Sunday, that looks to be the heaviest rainfall. It's a soggy one on Sunday, so you may want to plan to have those Easter egg hunts indoors. And then as we get in towards our Monday, still seeing the potential for some showers. Hoping to see a few breaks for tomorrow afternoon with just a slight chance for some showers. All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. Happy Easter, if that's what you celebrate. Happy Passover as well. Thanks very much for watching and have a great long weekend.